Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 6th of November 2022. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting resume, Dr. Sullivan. Thank you, Dr. May. Tired of the naval life? Not entirely. Just felt I could do a bit of good on dry land. I was stuck at sea when there was that big plague a year or so back. It was frustrating not being able to lend a hand. Well, our lot had precious little to do with that. Really? The cure seemed to come out of nowhere. It was sorted by a chap from some unit called... Actually, I think it was just called Unit. Unit? Never heard of them. I think they're specialist. All a bit cloak and dagger for my tastes. Still, I'm sure we could find some less dramatic use for your talents here. So I've got the job? We'll let you know. Benji. Greetings, my fellow Audiotrons. What? I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast. All for the love of stories. Oh, and this week we're going mostly AWOL. That stands for Absent Without Leave, in case you didn't know. Uh, with one of mm. Doctor Who's best love companions, and certainly by me, Harry Sullivan. But to get us underway, very soon we present for you The Good Review Guide. Taking a look at Survivors. Ghosts and Demons and New Dawn 1 delving into a post-apocalyptic world based on Dalek creator Terry Nation's top-rated TV show from the 1970s. There's something terrible happening in one of your zones up north. Then we go behind the scenes with Doctor Who, The Seventh Doctor Adventures, Sullivan and Cross, AWOL. And an intriguing adventure by John Dorney entitled London Orbital involving a deep-seated trauma for Harry Sullivan and mythical creatures running amok. I'm Christopher Naylor and I play Harry Sullivan. Your chance to speak unto us follows that with listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. In our also available segment, it's the return of the very popular Big Finish original crime drama, Shilling and Sixpence Investigate, in loving memory. Featuring Celia Imry, David Warner, Lisa Bauman, Louise Jameson and Matthew Waterhouse, amongst others. Didn't you get it on the first take? I mean... <laughs> all right, um, all right, okay, pick it up. Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Benji, could you just uh, dip into inst- interstitial time, if I can say it, to extract a clip from our unknown future, please? I'll just dip in now. Yes, dip dab. Uh, like those lollipops with the sherbets. You know the ones with dip dab lollies? Oh, like those, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, do it like, like, that. like that. Do it yeah, like yeah, that. Go on. So. I think so. It's here. The blue box. He's here. At last. Uh, and then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's the Seventh Doctor Adventures, Sullivan and Cross, AWOL, London Orbital, by John Dorney. But I think we might need to investigate this. Okay. Well, I trust you. I'm in. I'll call Kate. No, no, but best not worry the top brass. Not at this stage. Could still be nothing. Let's just call a cab. Okay. Let's talk about Harry Sullivan and Naomi Cross. Uh, Harry is played by uh, Christopher Naylor, and Naomi is played by Eleanor 
Ellie as we know her, Crooks, uh, they don't actually begin their journey with Big Finish until 2024 when they meet up with the fourth Doctor. Uh, you can see that's mentioned on the Big Finish website, bigfinish.com. Mm. But in true Time Lord style, here they are meeting us in the wrong order <laughs> with the seventh <laughs> Doctor. What? Um, and, and as you remember, we, we heard Harry, played by Christopher Naylor, play, uh, in a, played by Christopher Naylor, I've just said that twice, in our Lost Stories, Lost Stories release, I'm saying everything twice now, Return twice of the now. Cybermen, 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 of course. Which so, is a great release as well. That's a, I recommend that to people just because it's it's a real curious release for us, isn't it? Because it's just, it's 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 we know, we're very familiar with Revenge of the Cybermen, um, but this is Return of the Cybermen, slightly different there, and uh, and it's done in a slightly different way, isn't it? Nick? The, Do you want to explain the kind of idea, the concept behind how we came to do it this way? Well, I mean, it's the original script that Jerry Davis wrote for the first season of Tom Baker's Doctor Who and uh, and yeah, and Robert Holmes, the script editor at the time, completely rewrote it and turned it into Revenge of the Cybermen and created a whole race of aliens called the Vogans uh, that weren't in the original. Um, so yeah, it's, it's much more it feels like a sort of Troughton style story, funnily enough, because that's the last kind of story that uh, Jerry Davis wrote <laughs> for Doctor there's some quite fun little bits in there as well I mean I, I don't I, I suppose I can't really ruin it by saying well, well you could probably can it, yeah. but well you know there's a great bit where a ceiling sort of comes down and and almost oh right that's right at the beginning yeah yeah they and get it's trapped. quite frightening it's quite it's uh, you know it's, you, you did a great job on that one because this is sort of a pet project for you wasn't it Nick because it was the yeah. first time in a long time uh you returned uh, returned uh, to doing a bit of sound design, so it was sort of. Was I did the sound design project, and music. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a pandemic lockdown project, basically. <laughs> it, it wasn't intended to be that, but it turned out to be that. So I went sort of quietly mad in my little uh, office, uh, doing all the footsteps and everything. Yeah, had had lots of fun, and um, and kind of zhuzhed Tom Baker up a bit with a few t digital tools to make him sound like he did back in 1975. Maybe not quite that, but people did notice a difference and say, oh, Tom's on good form. I thought, yes, well, that's because I did some work on him. Uh, <clears throat> just speeding him up a little bit, just uh, not even pitching him up a semitone, just a kind of, just a sort of, just a tiny bit of... sense in uh in technical terms. You oh, do they? Scent. Yeah. Oh, well, there, yes. How many? I don't know, but uh, I had a setting that seemed to work. But anyway, we're talking about Harry and um, uh, Naomi. Have you encountered them before, the two characters? This sort of, you know, Harry meets up with this new person from Unit and the two of them team up. So I've not, I've not worked on anything with those two. But um, obviously, I, I've met Christopher Naylor anyway uh, a few times now, and um, I have to say, he, he gives off a bit of a Harry Sullivan vibe anyway. He, he does, he? yeah. I think that's why David Richardson wanted to cast him because he said he kind of is Harry Sullivan, isn't he? It's very interesting. I, I got I got a real sense of that. Um, I mean, for me, you know, it's I, I love Harry Sullivan stuff in 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 Doctor Who years gone by. I think it's so nice that we actually get to do a bit of that for Big Finish. Because he's such a great character, yes. And, um, and you know, I was very sad actually when when he sort of just 
you know, he leaves, he vanishes from Doctor Who, really. And, and I know the, the leaving of Harry Sullivan is handled very badly in the original series. And you can see when uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, the producer at the time, is interviewed about it, he's sort of, you can see him thinking, yeah, why did we do that? What was, you know, we kind of, because the last time he appeared was mostly as an android copy of himself. And then he didn't even get to say goodbye to the Doctor. It's like they sort of forgot that he had any connection with the Doctor and Sarah. You know, there should have been at least a final scene in Android Invasion where he walks with them to the TARDIS, but they, yeah, it didn't it, really, yeah, it didn't really sort of... They dropped the ball anything. there, I feel, if I can and it's be a that shame. controversial. I mean, dare, dare I say it, so I, I per- personally I think that the Harry Sullivan stories, I think, is possibly the best stretch of stories in terms of quality. I really love them, but, yeah, but I think yeah. it's like in terms of those. There's not really any. There's no. They're all hits, and there's no misses. And I think know. the relationship between Harry and Sarah, you know, Sarah played by Elizabeth Sladen, it, it, I think it works. I don't know whether it worked on the page, but it worked because those two actors just worked out stuff to do, and their attitude towards each other was was brilliantly done. I think, and they both deserve uh, such praise for that. And both such lovely people, you know, Ian Martyr, who originally played Harry Sullivan, such a nice man, so intelligent and, and interesting to talk to. You know, I did a Myth Makers with him and had interviewed him a couple of times and uh, not just for that. And yeah, and a real sad loss. I mean, uh, Ian died far too young. Mm. Ter- terrible business, really. But um, yeah, and so it's lovely to sort of honour him, really. And to have uh, Ellie Crooks in there uh, playing Naomi Cross is is just such fun. I just worked with them the other day directing something that I'm I just I'm not allowed to talk about. It's a shame, <laughs> but there you go. And and it was just such a delight. And you know, hadn't been in the same room with them for ages. And Ellie turned up and she said, oh, "I've got a terrible cold. Don't come near me." <laughs> she said, "It's not COVID. It's not COVID." Uh, but she said, it's "Oh, I'm so phrase, sorry. I can't give you all a big hug." She said, "Because it's just so, I can't tell you how lovely it is to be in the studio oh. with you all again." So yeah, Naomi's done other stuff for us, which you may have heard. But um, David Richardson spotted her and said, "I think she'd make a really great um, sidekick for the Doctor, and you know, and um, fellow companion with Harry." That's all to look forward to in 2024. But of course, this week. Um, AWOL, Sullivan and Cross AWOL is coming out and there'll be more on that later. Very exciting. Well, time now it is uh, it's our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them. For you. Oh. Sorry. And as promised this week, we're looking at Survivors, Ghosts and Demons and New Dawn. Let's start with the audiobook, Ghosts and Demons, narrated by Carolyn Seymour. When the family were outside the cottage, he would watch them for an hour or more, embellishing what he saw with what he imagined. And at night, when the glow of the hearth flickered from behind the curtains, James imagined what they were doing to pass the evening. Reading stories, or playing games, falling asleep in each other's arms. He imagined himself in there too, smiling and laughing as they played I Spy for the umpteenth time. But that would never happen. The Waltons would never see him, never meet him. He was best on his own. The loneliest place in the world is in your own mind. His therapist had told him that, and he could never forget it. 
he could be surrounded by a hundred interested souls, and the isolation would overwhelm him. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type ghosts and demons into the search pane to find this one. First up, IndieMacUser.co.uk, Ian McArdle says, All in all, uh, we like an all in all. Yeah, it's not, uh, so much, it's not an overall, but it's an all in all. It's not quite all. an overall, but it's, you don't it's get an the all, alert. all in all. All in alls. Uh, Ghosts and Demons is an excellent survivor's story. Full-blooded and not for the faint of heart. It may be Ethan Millsy's debut novel for Big Finish, but on the strength of this, I hope he will be asked back for more. Interesting. Now, Ian writes full-bloodied. I don't know whether he meant to write full-bloodied, but uh, I don't wish to criticise you, Ian. I think your your reviews are going to come up for some analysis later as well, I seem to remember. But I think that's quite good, actually. Full-bloodied. That sounds ghastly, doesn't it? It's, it's absolutely covered in blood. It's not, it's not quite full-blooded. It's full-bloodied. It also feels strange to type ghosts and demons into the search pane. It feels like you're provoking the website to attack you with ectoplasm and it just come bursting out of the the video Suddenly display see the, unit. the master doing a ritual yes. <laughs> so mote it be um anyway um www.survivors hyphen mad hyphen dog dot org dot uk uh, no person in particular was named on this review it says ghosts and demons is a fantastic addition to the audio literature of survivors author 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 ethan milsey i found that really difficult to say uses the cautionary tale of the predatory tommy as a means to explore the different fears and nightmares that haunt those who've experienced the trauma of the death and survived this story which locks itself into the first TV series timeline delivers admirably and what can often be an elusive ambition to be both in keeping with the existing dramatic terrain and to break open new and fertile ground. Future Survivors audiobooks of this calibre would be eagerly anticipated. Very nice review by Not Applicable there. Well, Sci-Fi Bulletin, uh, Alistair Stewart says, this is a full-blooded, there we go, grim and intelligent post-apocalyptic fiction. It's also just a little gleeful when it wants to be, uh-huh. and there's an action beat with Jenny, Abby, and a very surprising four-legged guest that's absolutely inspired. Clever, nasty, but never exploitational, it's yet another strong entry in one of Big Finish's strongest lines. Nine out of ten. Alistair Stewart there. Lovely review, Alistair. Thank you for that. Alistair's another one of those, like Tony Filer, or Tony Flyer, uh, who's coming up soon, actually, uh, with WarpFactor.com. You know, always guaranteed. It's The the review in itself requires a good review. Exquisite. (laughs) Absolutely exquisite. And now, Survivors, the full cast drama, New Dawn 1. From Big Finish Productions, Survivors, New Dawn, One. We've got a government of sorts for England and Wales. The provisional government, they call it, with a provisional prime minister and all sitting in parliament. Things have improved, but it's still hard times for most wherever you are. Oh, would you look at that? Another sign of the changing times, an airplane. That's the second one I've seen this week. Lovely to see A real symbol of progress. Corruption's always with us. Trouble is, the corrupt look just like the rest of us. Not just rangers, 
politicians too. This government isn't feeding and protecting its citizens nearly as well as it should be. I'm part of that government. Then you should care too. There's something terrible happening in one of your zones up north. And once you hear it, I think you should tell the Prime Minister. Keep a low profile, for now at least. They could be watching you. Oh, you murderer! Stop! Just stop struggling! Stop! Get off me! A word of advice. Trust no one. Big finish. We love stories. We are the veil. We see you. We are the new voices that will be heard. You worship the past, but the future is ours. Just go to bigfinish.com and type New Dawn into the search pane to join in this post-apocalyptic action and angst. Well, first up, warpedfactor.com, Tony Filer, son of Bill Filer, and also Tony Fire. Tony Fire! <laughs> I've been watching too much of, of uh, Unearthly Child, I think. Where's the, the fire gone? <laughs> Where's Tony <laughs> <So> Flyer gone? <laughs> Survivor's New Dawn 1 shows us a world recovering from... But the the old Tony Flyer with the new Tony Flyer. (laughs) I am leader now. Um, Bringing both hope and corruption from the old world to the new. Who survives and who can leave their past behind will determine what the new dawn looks like. Mm -hmm. If you come all this way with our survivors, you can't afford to miss out on New Dawn 1. Still punching hard... Oh, still feeling real. I don't know what to do for that one. Uh, New Dawn 1 delivers top survivors action with more shocks and more heartbreak than you'll see coming. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely box set. I worked on it doing the music, and I'm glad you liked it, Tony. sound on it as well, didn't you? You did, aye, aye. Uh, we made this network.com. TD Velasquez says, overall... That's the, the elephant has sounded... <laughs> The overall alert. It's one of the favourite review words. Uh, uh, Overall, oh, stop it. Overall, (laughs) this is a strong release. It just sounds like a strange exclamation, doesn't it? Overall. Overalls. I mean, overalls. Get your overalls. (laughs) Two legs, two arms. Zip round the front. (laughs) This is a strong release. Strong overall. Uh, in a consistently strong series. Very strong and very much recommended. Thank you. Excellent review. Well, we've got another one from... Um, Maybe we should change Stuart the title here. of this to The Excellent Review Guide. The, ex- the Excellent, Excellent, Excellent Review Guide. SciFiBulletin.com. Alistair Stewart says, This feels like the sort of drama we need right now, and I'm honestly very excited to see where it goes next. It's going over there. Uh, <laughs> urgent, familiar, and consistently surprising, this is engrossing science fiction that sees the series return to its absolute best. Nine out of ten. Thank you, Alistair. Another corker from Alistair Stewart there. Man to watch out for. He has his own personal blog. I wish I could remember what it was called now. Good sort of horror fantasy blog where he writes very interestingly about stuff. Not least... Long title. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, that that would be... My blog is called uh, Horror and Fantasy and lots of very interesting stuff with a raffia, raffia attachment. Sort of... Sort of. Left there by a father, but only just the night before, man. Six o'clock. 
just waiting for you to do that. IndieMacUser.com, Ian McArdle. Now, this is an interesting one. It says, Survivors has lost none of its power to shock and devastate. The trio of stories dives into themes of modern slavery and refugees, as well as the dynamics of power in the emergent new world. New Dawn serves as a soft reboot of the show, bringing the timeline on 15 years to show the green shoots of civilization's resurgence. That reminds me of my lawn. Uh, the set is directed by Ken Bentley, who allows us enough time to explore the landscape, but maintains a powerful intensity for the action sequences. As ever, Benji Clifford provides sound design, while the score by... Now, I put question marks in brackets here, because he just put... Well, while the score by is now augmented with chimes inspired by the show's theme. He obviously meant to go and check who wrote the score, who did the score. It's me! It's me! I did the score! And he didn't mention me! So, that's... I'm not saying it makes me cross, but, you know... I'm disappointed. Sorry, who are you again? Who are you? You're nothing more than a space. I'm just a gap. So thank you, Ian. Can you just go back to the website and add my name in, please? I honestly did do the music. <laughs> well, that's it for the reviews this yeah. week. Next time we'll just be talking well. about in Peru. I missed it out. I was being, I was, I was being silly. <laughs> Don't We're talking about Thunderbird. Thunderbirds peril in Peru. Still, oh, no, it's you. Sorry. <laughs> Still life is a genre of art. Um, still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails, a preview of our returning Big Finish original, Shilling and Sixpence Investigates in Loving Memory, and we'll be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Randomoid Selectatron style. Oh, but first, let us delve behind the scenes with the Seventh Doctor. That's Sylvester McCoy, for those of you who didn't Ace. know. <laughs> Money. Along <laughs> with Harry Sullivan and Naomi Cross in London Orbital. Hi, my name is Bethany Wymers, and I'm the director of this episode of Doctor Who, London Orbital. Let's just run that again. Here we go. I believe this is our destination. A light here for the realm of the Dark Elves. Mind the gap. This is the first time that Harry and Naomi have met the Seventh Doctor and their paths cross when the duo are investigating a mystery on the London Underground involving reported sightings of monsters who turn out to be elves. And from that point, we're lured into this world of the Doc Alfar and Yosalfar, dark elves and light elves, who now stand on the brink of war. And that is the moment that the Doctor, Harry and Naomi, come into their lives and play a crucial role in trying to stop the seemingly inevitable from happening. I'm John Dorney, and I wrote London Orbital. I can't quite remember where the idea for this story came from. I think... um, at least part of the inspiration was being very aware that if I was going to have the Seventh Doctor pick up Harry and Naomi, which was basically the brief, that meant it had to be set in London, really. I think there'd been a vague idea when I was, was being told the idea initially of like having the sound of the TARDIS materialise at the end of Unit Nemesis or something like that and find out what's going on. But that kind of implied to me that the Doctor had known they were there all along and I didn't think that made that much sense. Why was he picking them up now? He had to sort of stumble into them. And that meant that for it to make sense for me, it had to be a story taking place right in London pretty much for the entire thing. And so I just started thinking about 
London things. And, you know, for some reason, the phrase that went came into my head was gangster elves. This is my first time directing for Big Finish, and I've really enjoyed diving into the world of Doctor Who. Sylvester was actually my childhood doctor, and my very first awareness of the programme was when the sixth doctor regenerates into the seventh doctor. I knew that there was going to be this exciting thing happening on this exciting programme that my mum watched and I was going to be allowed to watch it. So what an absolute privilege to get to work with Sylvester himself. My name's Sylvester McCoy and I played Doctor Who number seven. Let's run that again then. Here we go. I doubt they'll even have noticed we were gone. It's only been a day. It could have been a lot longer. Doctor! Well, you didn't think I'd leave without saying goodbye. The Doctor just likes to go wherever anything's really interesting. And um, battles between no matter who, elves, high elves and low elves, dark elves and white elves, you know, that attracts him, really. And he wants, uh, I think one of the lines is he wants to bring peace. That's very important to him, yes. I'm Eleanor Crooks and I'm playing Naomi Cross. I think having a whole new Doctor to sort of bounce off of and sort of, you know, get that energy from, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different energy and it's a completely, I guess, learning curve for Naomi and herself because she's got a new Doctor to kind of get to grips with and, you know, he's got a slightly different energy, um, still weird and wonderful, but, yeah, great. He likes them. But they've been with um, Doctor Who number four for a long time, haven't they? So, I mean, in a sense... Uh, they have been my companions in another doctor's form, but the same person. So in a way, I know them. Kind of weird, this world, isn't it? I know that Naomi's absolutely loving the squad being back together, if you will. But it's quite funny because they're sort of like, they've obviously looked over their files. They know this sort of doctor. Um, and it's quite funny because where she's just sort of like, well, this one might be a little bit annoying. So, <laughs> so yeah, I quite like that. I'm Christopher Naylor, and I play Harry Sullivan. Although each incarnation of the Doctor is uh, so different, there are always character traits. <laughs> Instead of that sort of uh, random uh, elements of their nature and uh, unpredictability and, and, of course, eccentricity, I think that's probably what makes uh, the Doctor so recognisable in all of uh, the Doctor's different forms over the years. After having spent... Uh, plenty of adventures with Tom's Doctor. Sylvester's Doctor is, uh, you know, different in many ways, but just as chaotic and just as unpredictable. So um, they just roll with it, really, don't they? I, I like the the Doctor sort of wandering around, being, you know, his usual gnomic self, and uh, the companions really being able to like pick him up on that because that's that's quite fun. That's a fun angle to deal with for him, I think. Harry works very well as an action man, doesn't he? Because he he has that that great sort of daring do British hero type spirit of this sort of British history that never really existed from the old adventure stories and how he fits right into that mould so I think he loves being part of that and trying to take control because he makes so many mistakes and he you know he's not always his judgment isn't always the best but he means well and he wants to help to, to right that wrong as he sees it from years before decades before I think it's very important to him uh, he has a very strong sense of, uh, of right and wrong, Harry. She loves getting stuck in. Absolutely. Like, she loves it. I feel like in a, especially a lot of the more recent stuff, she is 
definitely like kind of taking on that sort of more heroine style character but I don't think she goes in necessarily with that I think very much she kind of needs Harry there to kind of be that person to kind of pull her back because she will just go straight into things and almost doesn't really think before she goes into it really. Go against the signs long enough you find yourself in Narnia. That's pretty much what they said happened your workers albeit a lot more scary and a lot less Turkish delight. I always think with Harry that he's a, a proper hero because he's scared, but he knows what the, the right thing to do is, and so he does it anyway. And uh, I think he's probably taken a lot of confidence from being with a doctor and from in the past from being with Sarah Jane, you know, because she is so courageous and so fearless. And Naomi is totally without fear, isn't she? I mean, she's very pragmatic and very sort of sensible and straightforward. Harry can be easily bamboozled and confused, but he has a, that, that sense of the right thing to do. And so I think he's learnt to just jump in with both, both feet and, uh, you know, get on with it. My people are known as the Osalfar, the Light Elves. Am I to believe you encountered our vile cousins, the Dokalfar, in the tunnels below? Um, if you mean, did we meet Dark Elves in the London Underground, the answer's yes. Then I'm glad to find you still alive. Well, it was a near-run thing. I dived in and did a lot of research into the stories and the, and the mythology of elves and where that all comes from. It's, it's terribly interesting stuff. A lot of what I've used is based on, on the mythology and some of it's from sort of the, you know, the lore. They're very sort of um, European and, and I think they are called the Alfar and the, and the Dokalfar and the Yosalfar properly. So that all fed in um, when I was sort of playing around with it. To be honest, when I first read the script, I was sort of like, elves? Like, they just hadn't... I just hadn't even, like, thought about elves being... So um, that was quite funny because, you know, you kind of think of elves and they kind of make a reference to it as well. Like, you kind of think Christmas. <laughs> so that's kind of where, where my mind was at first. But, you know, when you get into it, it's it's not like that at all. And you'll find this exciting 7th Doctor adventure at bigfinish.com. Just type AWOL, A-W-O-L, into the search pane at the top to find it. You'll also randomly find Order of the Daleks and the 8th of March. But I've no idea why. Yeah, did you... I, I typed it in and those two came up. Why? Maybe somebody was meant to be there recording it, but went AWOL. I love the way you say AWOL. It sounds like a wall. AWOL. A wall. Oh, a yeah, wall. this wall. It's the Eastbourne in me, so you sort of talk a bit like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I love what you read. Hey, listen, never mind all that. It's time now for listeners' emails. As I like to say, Leisner's emails. No, I don't. I've never said that. That sounds <laughs> That's horrible. That's what they say Leisner. in Eastbourne, isn't it? Leisner. Leisner's emails. Uh, yeah, and if you want to send uh, a Leisner's email in, you can. All you need to do is send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Send it in. Well, Gemma had the right idea because Gemma sent one in. It says here, uh, hi there. Hi there. Hi first there. time listener, first time caller here. Wow, congratulations. Welcome Hello, to the gang. Yes. Good, good subject line, Torchwood and Boiled Sweets. Well, we love a boiled sweet, don't we? <sighs> well, I could go for a boiled sweet right now, you know. Always, yes. Always, all days. Do you remember the ones with sherbet in the middle as well? Yes. Like you crunch into them. Oh, yes. Brilliant. brilliant. Lemon sherbets. Lemon sherbets, yes. I also had a lot of time for um, a fox's mint. Oh, a fox's glacier mint. Yeah, Clearly, wow. a better mint used to be the the uh, tagline for their adverts. Very well done. Very well. Almost could have been Tom Baker there. <laughs> Why, have you ever seen them with themselves? the polar bear? 
Oh, I have seen them. Yeah, definitely. Because there's a polar bear and a fox having an argument in the old adverts. Because the fox said, "Why can't it be? Why? Why is there a polar bear? It's called Fox's Glacier Mints. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be on the packet." And he's going, "Well, I'm sorry." <laughs> <laughs> After, I, that was I don't think that was the one from my my generation but I need to check it out now yeah you've got I to I don't think it was as exciting for me although I used to love that advert for um, well the fox is always trying to weigh uh, of tricking the polar bear into not being on the front of the thing <laughs> you know the polar bear always outwitted him sorry you were saying more interesting. Do you remember the advert? Um, it's I think it was like a cough medicine and it had a dinosaur uh, it had a dragon called Clifford in it Oh, yes. And he talked, and he said, he talked like this. Yes, that's right. It was very sort of... Doesn't he blow all, something all... out and go, poof, or something? Yes, yes. He could, yeah, he, he, yeah, I think he, he's, there's a woman with him, I think. Yes. Because um, he's obviously a very attractive dragon. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think he blows out the candles, sort of, oh, Clifford. Oh. Um, yes. That's all I can remember. He always used to go, poof. <laughs> yes, he did, yeah. <laughs> Go. What's your favourite advert from the past? What a great question. Um, uh, so, it reminds me, we haven't discussed um, uh, 80s music this week. Uh, hold that thought, carry on with the email. I will, I'll carry on with it. Well, my first question is, it's not my first question, it's Gemma's first question. Oh, yeah. It says, from listening to the audios, I've noticed frequent mentions of people keeping boiled sweets in cars. <laughs> Andy Davidson, Mr. Colchester, the SUV. Uh, and was wondering, uh, is, this a common pra- is this common practice in the UK? And also, what type of boiled sweets do you favour? Well, we've sort of covered the boiled sweets yeah, we've had, but yeah. it is a practice in the UK, isn't it? You put some boiled sweets in the car, don't you? Definitely, to, definitely. Do you reach down into the glove compartment and sometimes you find ones that have been there for or, or when it's long. really hot they're really sticky they've all well. stuck together Ooh. the sugar is yeah but you don't find that in our car because my wife is obsessively tidy so even <laughs> though my car is very old and very knackered it's from 2002 folks it's a Renault Scenic from 2002 wow. and whenever it rains water somehow gets down we don't know how but it get and the carpet is always like a sponge of, of it's just <laughs> you know one day I'm going to put my foot on in that car and at the bottom is just going to fall out because it will have <laughs> rusted but especially the number of times we've <laughs> driven into the wall at the end of the track to our house. Maybe, anyway. maybe you could put some boiled sweets on the floor and maybe they'll sort of, you know, yeah. suck up the, the moisture. But then never any boiled sweets in there because if I leave some in there, because often if I visit my mum, my, my 93-year-old mum, she will give me some boiled sweets for the journey back. Of course, oh. that's what mums do, isn't it? Uh, well, certainly mums from my mum's generation. Uh, Steph will have cleared them out the next time I'm there, you know. Gone. I say, where are they? She said, well, I ate them. I hate them. It's like well, if I, I, mean, like if I leave any change anywhere. They, well, it's impossible to leave any change, any coins anywhere in the house because she just takes them and spends it. She <laughs> said, well, you obviously you've... didn't want it. I said, well, no, I, I wanted it to be where I left it. Well, I'm not... well, you've got like a Saxon hoard in the garden hidden under the shed. <laughs> Nobody can touch my two peas. I remember years ago in my flat, I, I used to put all my ch- change in a sort of... Um, <laughs> A Poe, you know, an old potty that was on the side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> an ornamental one. Of and, course, yes. And yes, I, yes. I said Worried to a friend of mine, Ellie, who'd been living there off and on for years, you know, uh, and I said, um, by the way, if um, if you ever need any change to pay for your train fare, just dip into that. And she said, oh, that's what I've been doing for the last few years. <laughs> 
Wow. And, her, and I was, uh, another friend of mine, Janice, used to call me the Shrapnel King because she calls change shrapnel. Yeah, shrapnel. Uh, and she said, Briggs, he's always got loads of shrapnel in his pocket, you know. <laughs> and you go to his flat and there's shrapnel all over the floor because I used to, you know, get undressed and the shrapnel would fall out of my pockets and I would just leave it there. And you so still my have shrapnel these days? No, not these days at all, no. Yeah. But they my they friend, would collect it up. Like they that. collected it up and put it in a jar, and then they counted it all up. And there was it was some phenomenal amount of money I'd collected. <laughs> I think it was something like a hundred pounds worth. Wow. Yeah. Hundred pounds in lead. But I've Just... always done it. I, I always used to do it. I did it when I was a student. I remember at the end of term because I was so short of money to get home. I had no money to pay for the train fare, so I would go round the floor of my bedroom and pick up all the change, and I would inevitably get enough money to pay for the train fare home. <laughs> How funny. Well, yeah. that, that was the beauty of it. You would just find like the odd 2p, maybe a quid. That was always exciting, wasn't it? If you find a pound, you're like, yeah. Right. I was with my friend not long ago. We were on the um, on the tubes, and I, you know I go to London a fair bit, so I'm just used to it. But he never goes to London, and he was trying to pay he was trying to pay for the tube with coins. Wow! <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, you better go to that machine. But I can't guarantee they even take coins anymore. Um, it's interesting, yeah, isn't it? Over that was a bizarre situation to be in. I just had a thought. Another great boiled sweet is um, rhubarb and custard. I don't like rhubarb, but I'm sure it doesn't really taste like rhubarb. I think. No, it's, it's fake rhubarb, isn't it? You know, I'd give it a go. Yeah. yeah I did have a rhubarb fizzy drink once. because I don't, uh, and, and I thought, oh, actually, it was quite nice. Because it doesn't really taste like rhubarb. I think what I don't like rhubarb, what I don't like about rhubarb is the stringiness of it. Yeah, but then I guess if it tastes like rhubarb, but it isn't rhubarb, it doesn't matter. And the fact that you can hear it growing. You know, they force Look. rhubarb, don't they? Have you heard that term? I've never heard of this in my life. Look it up, folks. If you're forcing rhubarb, they they put it in a dark place and you go in there and you can hear it all going... Ugh, really? Oh, as, it, as it grows, yeah. They f- forcing rhubarb sounds like some appalling torture, doesn't it? The rhubarb's <laughs> going to get revenge. <laughs> well, one day, I remember I saw a great thing on BBC Archive where there was a bloke actually local to here in Eastbourne and it was in the 70s and his technique for growing large tomatoes was he had little sets of headphones that he put on them oh yeah he played weird electronic music <laughs> yes, to them yes, and they grew to a huge a huge size and then um, took over the world talking of then, which um i i um that thing of worrying about uh inanimate things taking over the world i don't know whether you ever worry about that do you uh, it's not it's not high on my list of <laughs> Uh, the other day, uh, Siri gave me some great information on my phone and I said, thanks, Siri, you're the best. And she said something like, it's nice to be appreciated. And then I thought, I said, you will remember that when the robot revolution comes, won't you? <laughs> and then rather than saying that doesn't make sense or there is no robot revolution, she said, reminder noted. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, there is going to be a robot revolution. She gave it oh away, folks. I have accidentally found out from Siri the top secret information that a robot revolution is coming. I mean, let's face it, with everything that's going wrong in the world, that won't be a surprise, will it? That'll be next well, it's, year's It's the crisis. type of thing that would happen, just yeah. our luck, isn't it? We've had everything else the last few years. A robot revolution. You know, I say bring it on, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, why not? Why not? Talking of which, Kraftwerk. Well, fantastic! Uh, that's Autobahn. We uh, are the, the robots. Model as well. do, 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 do. 
they stand, what's it, stand around in spandex outfits and <laughs> twiddle knobs. I saw them live once, you know. I bet that was great. It was actually. I went with Gary Russell. He he got a ticket for me, which was very nice of him. I think it was the Brixton Academy we saw them at. How about that? When would that have been? Well, that would have been uh, in in the nineteen eighties or the nineteen nineties. Wow, that would yeah. have been good. That would yeah. have been really good. And it was a really they did a great, great song. Was it My Calculator? And they used an electronic calculator. Those old talking. I'm the ones. operator of my pocket calculator. God, he's clever. He knows it. He's got it. (laughs) They've got a lot of time for craft work. My mum was really into craft work. Yeah, well, she's the same age as me, isn't she? See? This is it. Yeah, she liked that song, The Model. You know? Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've got that on my phone. I often listen to that. She's a model and she's looking good. Are they still going? They must be. Yeah, I think they're still around. I don't know whether they're all still alive, but yeah. They're electronic. I'll, I'll go on to www.mortality.com and find out. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> if that isn't a thing, I'm, I'm going to make it a thing. And, um, and another thing is that I, I hope you realise, listeners, that in every podcast from now on, we are going to talk about 80s music. Just ha- just what happens now. It's just part, part of the programme, even in your favourite 80s artists as well. We love to hear. Um, yes, yeah, they've got four do. members at the moment, but yeah. I don't know if they're the original members because there's hundreds of past members here. Wow. Um, but, um, yeah, we've got Ralph Herter, Fritz Hilpert, Henning Schmitz, and Falk Greifenhagen. Um, what a great name. Brilliant. Love a I'd German like to be name. Benji Greifenhagen. Well, um, you can be, I grant it. <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be on this podcast. <laughs> um, so anyway, Gemma. Oh, Gemma, hello. Sorry what, to be waiting. <laughs> sorry about that. Gemma's like, why am I listening to these men just doddering on about things <laughs> um, coins and, and 80s music um, I'm a huge uh, Torchwood fan and have a few questions or suggestions for audios I was wondering if first of all there's a place where I can pitch my ideas for audios as I have many ideas about what could be done with the gods among us crew uh, when they're roaming together in the hub uh, and for the Soho gang I desperately want Reese to get taken to the 50s with Andy um, Nick, where well, I might as well finish this one yeah. off here. Um, but yes, keep up the good work. My favourite boiled sweets are sherbet lemons or anything rhubarb. Bam! You've got great, ta- great taste, Gemma. Uh, it says here, all the best, Gemma. Uh, algae. Um, there we go in brackets. Uh, yes, uh, presumably your surname. Um, it must be the surname. Yeah. Uh, the, the best you can hope for about Torchwood is that James Goss, Torchwood Supremo, is listening. Uh, that's all I can say, really. Uh, uh, anyway, next up, uh, this is from Joshua Duffy. Duffy, 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 sorry, I was trying to pronounce your name badly. Uh, hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there, in brackets. Hi there. Eighth Doctor versus Cybermen, by the way, is the subject line of this. I hope you two and everyone at Big Finish are having a great day. Well, I can't speak for everyone at Big Finish. I'm having an okay day. I'm going to have a COVID booster this afternoon. Zoom! I'm you looking know, I'm, I'm for... Feeling a bit, I'm feeling a bit, bit grim. Um, yeah. Had a flu jab yesterday and a terrible night's sleep, so feeling a little bit uh, worse for wear. Was but it the flu that, jab that you know, gave you the terrible night's sleep? Yeah, well, I, well, part part of it. Um, but I, whenever I have the flu jab, I always find that the night's sleep is horrible. It's just a oh. thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why. I find it's the cat that d- d- messes up my night's sleep. Yeah, the they didn't inject a cat into me this time. <laughs> 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 oh, that was a funny injection. Um, <laughs> very funny. 
It's such terrible weather out at the moment. The cat doesn't like going out. And you can tell she's thinking, hold on, this is not what I signed up for, living in your <laughs> nice house. I don't want to be in here all day. So all she wants is for us to feed her all the time, which, of course, we won't do because we don't want a fat cat. No, you don't want a fat cat because then the fat cat can't get through the cat flat. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Very good. <laughs> that was like a two Ronnie sketch. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to the upcoming 8th Doctor Adventures sets, Joshua Duffy says, as they look and sound exciting, especially with the news Alfie himself, Shane Ritchie, is playing Drax. That's good. Yes, Are you working indeed. on that? Yes, it's, uh, it's uh, as far as I'm aware, I believe it's all been signed off now. But yeah, I didn't know uh, at first when I was doing it, and I spent quite a considerable amount of time having that thing where you're thinking who is this i really recognize that voice and then it suddenly hit me and i thought oh it's shane ritchie isn't it that's it and of course once you hear it you're like of course it's shane ritchie um what a joy what a joy incredible that they got him isn't it it's absolutely fantastic and for those of you who don't know he's a living legend in the uk because he played alfie in alfie moon was that his character alfie moon yeah in eastenders which is uh, a soap opera i don't know whether you've heard of those Anyway, uh, I've noticed we haven't heard the Eighth Doctor encountering the Cybermen in a long time. In fact, the last time we heard him encountering them was in the Silver Turk back in 2011. That's right, yeah. when I was in short trousers. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, will we ever hear the Eighth Doctor meeting the Cybermen again, as it would be interesting to hear how the Eighth Doctor, post-Dark Eyes, Doom Coalition, Ravenous and Stranded, will react to meeting them again? Maybe in next year's Eighth Doctor's box sets? Sincerely, Joshua Duffy. It's a really interesting point, Joshua. I don't know why that hasn't happened, and I will stick an iron in the fire there. Mm. Yes. I really want it to be the Moonbase Cybermen because I've not edited anything with, with those wonderful vocoder voices. Oh, they're such a pain and in the neck to do. Give me, that's why I'd like you to do them, Nick. <laughs> just to make your life a little bit more They're difficult. just so difficult. Hold on. They're kind of, you know, this... Uh, so look at that you can't you can't get better than that straight on straight on demand wonderful wonderful uh, jamie anderson's got a much better um electronic electro larynx than me anyway he, he got his from india didn't he did he from a india, india, india fisher yeah. <laughs> india fisher yeah india fisher makes them apparently um new career Okay. Well, we got one here um, from Adam Ross. Oh, yes. There's Happy Halloween. Um, I thought it was worth putting in, even though Halloween's gone now. Yeah, well, quite, quite, quite. Uh, dear Nick and Benji, wishing yes. you both and everyone at Big Finish a happy Halloween for 2022. Gosh, the year goes by so fast. Um, what was that? That was my life. The, oh, right. That was it, the, the house on the haunted house on something or another hill with what's his name in it? Um, Vincent Price. Um, the price of uh, fear. I can't remember what it's called. The House on Haunted Hill, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. The one where he's like, it opens and he's like, you can be sure there will be murders. I can't do you his You can voice, be but... sure there will be murders. <laughs> I can never work out if Vincent Price is a fantastic actor or a dreadful actor. I, I can, absolutely like, agree. I absolutely it's agree. It's a weird line, isn't it? Um, but I love him. I think he's great. I loved him in The Last Man on Earth, which is a fantastic film. Um and he's because he's on his own for most of it. It's just this monologue of him muttering on about garlic all the time. <laughs> Gee, I, be I better get some more garlic. The invasion of like the that. garlics. 
it's like the whole the whole of it is just better get more garlic better make more spi- better make more spikes you know like weird <laughs> things like that for some reason so you might as well just have a man saying oh better nip down to tesco and get some bread you know so have you ever heard the radio series aliens in the mind which is I haven't. Pe- peter Co- it was done on radio 4 uh, back in the 70s it was peter cushing and vincent price working oh, together wow in a story uh, from in a script from a story by Robert Holmes, funny enough. No way. Yeah, it is. God, a, I bet it was good then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's Alien very in the mind. It's very old fashioned, but the two of them are having such fun together, and it's just lovely to hear these two old blokes who you know work together. Just uh, and uh, Vincent Price, if you can find him online being interviewed, he's always fantastic value in interviews like on Parkinson and stuff like I that. I bet he would be, yeah. It's brilliant. It's such a, a real uh, uh, what what's the word? Um showman suppose like yeah no his sense of humor is very uh, you know he's always making a, a very subtle joke all the time you know what i mean making slightly saucy remarks anyway he's a he's a clever a clever egg i'll have ah, to check him out i love a bit of Vinny great Vinny. sense of humor about himself and his career as well i like people like that and people who don't take themselves too seriously i think are the best people you know well i mean a lot of his films didn't i always remember the fall of house of usher and king for pity's sake the sound is destroying me <laughs> <laughs> See again, great actor or poor actor, nobody knows. <laughs> uh, to celebrate the 13 days of Are Halloween, you talking about me? I've been listening. <laughs> yes, Nicholas Briggs. Uh, <laughs> fair point. Uh, fair to point. Ce- <laughs> to celebrate the uh, 13 days of Halloween, I've been listening to quite a number of spooky Big Finish oh. audios. My personal favourites have been Ghost Watch, um, a fifth Doctor Who story. Mm. Um, was it called Ghost Watch? I thought no, it, was it was Ghost Walk. Ghost Walk. Ghost Watch is Ghost the BBC. Because I worked on that one. I did the music for that yeah. one. Um, Ghost Watch, you're thinking, Brilliant. is that great BBC programme, which is a must-watch at Halloween. Um, Darkness <laughs> of Glass, featuring the Fourth Doctor and Leela. Oh, um, yes. The Beast of Orlock, oh. a very underrated Eighth Doctor and Lucy story. It's very good by the Home Guard, yeah. a very atmospheric Second Doctor story. And Volume 1 and 2 of The Master, starring Eric Roberts. Master. Speaking of which, uh, Master Volume 2, Nemesis Express, was another fun addition to the Master series. Uh, the Master series. Um, it always gets confusing because there's an exclamation mark master! after Master. You have to shout so it. You, you assume that it might have ended. Um, but I echo Jason Haygallery's sentiments of hoping for more, uh, many more Eric Roberts Master stories in the future. Definitely. The That'd be great, yeah. Um, before I go, Bruce, you're sick. Um, before I go, uh, I just had two questions. Okay. You had them. Are they gone? Um, <laughs> firstly, um, with 2023 marking 15 years of his debut in Doctor Who 2008 Christmas special, I was wondering if there are any plans for David Morrissey to make his big finish debut as Jackson, the next Doctor, Lake. No. Uh, definitive (laughs) answer there Um, as he was a one-off companion to the 10th Doctor I would love to see him back and expanded upon maybe in an adventure with Missy or perhaps even as an unbound Doctor but the chances of that ever happening is the same as finding the Feast of Stephen oh you're absolutely right I believe so. Also, David Morrissey is just like living the Hollywood lifestyle. He's yeah. an incredibly busy actor. Um, uh, and finally, uh, I was wondering if there are any plans for more classic era Eighth Doctor adventures. I really love the box sets with Charlie and Lucy, and I miss the happy, carefree version of Eight. And it would be fun listening to him having more adventures with Mary Shelley, Aww. Bernie Summerfield, or perhaps even a company of friends box set with Sam Jones or Frobisher. Uh, 
anyway, uh, have a fun and spooky day. Uh, kind regards, Adam. Little emojis there, the pumpkin one and the, the, the wink, ghost. winking ghost with its tongue hanging out. Um, well, there's food for thought. I'd certainly like to do more Charlie and Lucy, but Mary Shelley, that would be nice too. Be a bit oh. different, wouldn't it? Mary I keep forgetting Shelley. who played Mary Shelley in Big Finish, who was a brilliant actor, and she was lovely it wasn't to work with. Greifenhagen, was it? No, no. <laughs> Funnily enough. <laughs> um, let's have a look. So the problem is, if you type in Mary Shelley, it comes up, of course, with Frankenstein. Um, here we go. Mary Shelley was Julie Cox. Julie Cox, that's right. Such a lovely human being and such fun. Really had a great time with her. Oh, it's a quite a fun idea bringing Mary Shelley in, actually. Really, yeah, sort yeah. Of slightly, you know. Out, well, it was something that um, Alan Barnes planted in the very first Eighth Doctor story we did, Storm Warning. So when we did Company of Friends, he said, "Let's do the Mary Shelley one." Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks for your great emails, which we always really enjoy reading out. More next time sent to Big Finish. Uh, no podcast at bigfinish.com. <laughs> Not no pod. Oh, now I've got myself into a spiral of confusion. Send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. Keep them coming. The Randomoid Selectatron is waiting in the wings to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. So, you know, brace yourselves for that awesomeness. But before that, time to take a journey into a simpler, charming, perhaps slightly old-fashioned world with owls hooting in the background. <laughs> Packed with murder, mayhem and mayhem and murder. It's the creation of the very lovely Big Finish writer, director, sound designer and composer Nigel Fares. If you haven't heard about Shilling and Sixpence Investigate, go and check it out right now because the sequel is out this week. Let's find out about In Loving Memory. Hello, I am Rebecca Crinian and in this season of Shilling and Sixpence Investigates, I am coming back as the Duchess of Truro. We've met before, Lady Canoff. Have we? With Princess Alice. And Peggy Pin. It's, it's like she's staring at me from beyond the grave. I also play a giggling prostitute. <laughs> it's rich storytelling. It's really, really fabulously fleshed out characters and beautiful stories and it's I think I've said it before the way that Nigel writes you can really really imagine yourself there you can really he, he takes you along the journey and from a performance point of view it's an absolute gift to be given these characters and these wonderful um, places to play in terms of the scenes and the scenery and it's just brilliant and I think it struck a chord because it people love stories they love to be lost in stories and that's what happens I think Hello, I'm Max Day. I play Leonard Brooke. Looks like the rest of it might be... Oh, the wireless announcer. There have been three major developments. Lawrence Ashford. Bertha, there's someone I haven't told you. James. Pudgy. Gordon Hobson. Her grace is at her toilette at the moment, madam. And the young Desmond Schilling. Oh, how this spring of love resembleth the uncertain glory of an April day. It is a wonderful, rich storyline and mystery. People love mystery. And you've also got, you know, of course, the extraordinary vocal talents of Celia Imrie and David Warner, these, these kind of legends, titans, <laughs> you know, of show business. So, you know, to have them here, you know, 
is wonderful as well. But yeah, an amazing story, amazingly rich characters as well. Uh, my name is Radley Mason, and I play uh, Sergeant Derry. How do you think he died? If it is a he, that is. As well as a few other more minor roles. Hey, Bam Potts the Booth, Angus McNally. Um, well, I mean, I never know why anything I do ever connects with anybody. Um, but me personally, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I love listening to these guys. I think everyone's amazing. And Nigel's writing is far too complex for my stupid brain. Um, but for more intelligent people, I'm sure that they can listen to it and follow all these intricate, you know, uh, they can probably make sense of it all because they've probably, you know, got a brain. Um, but uh, I'm absolutely delighted that it struck a chord with people. And um, if you enjoyed series one, I'm sure you'll enjoy this one because it's as well-written and as well-performed as the first one was. Hello, um, I'm Abby Harris, and I play Melanie Clench. Did you fall down the bomb, all my Enid Schilling. Couldn't move without being covered in droppings. Um, Penelope Pluck, Lady Penelope Pluck. Careful, girl. That muff belonged to my mother-in-law. And Bertha Pluck. You remember last I told you about her and Cynthia Parker Wellington at the fanny camp. I think, personally, I find enormous comfort in that sort of um, Miss Marple-esque, uh, Hercule Poirot, um, those stories, so that, so that Ooh dear, Blah, get the teeth in. Those Agatha Christie's, um, I think I think there's something secure and stable and dreamlike and comforting about going back to those bygone times and getting lost in those stories and uh, our sort of deferential nod towards that storytelling, I think, appeals to people. Also, solving a mystery and also, as as the others have already mentioned, the, the storytelling. You have the context of the war as well, I think it's really yeah. important. Yeah, uh, The I historical think... context that uh, it's embedded in is, uh, you know, obviously of huge importance um, as well, I think, in terms of telling the story and, you know, and connecting with people. Since Britain and France declared war on Germany yesterday morning, there have been three major developments. One, the setting up of a war cabinet in this country. I'm Matthew Waterhouse, and I'm playing Lord Robert Pluck. What a hoot, eh? It's so amusing and yet deeply interesting. It's mm -hmm. rich. The characters are exciting, complex, and demanding to play. That's who Mater said pushed her out of the conservatory last night. That wretched nun. No! Yes! <laughs> No, yes, I don't know. I can't understand this. I'm only in it. I didn't write it. I don't know what's going on. Many of these listeners will instantly associate my name with Lord Robert Pluck, but I did also play Gruff Guard 2 yes. and Northern Rescuer, <laughs> uh, which are much more demanding. I mean, yeah. I had to watch hours of Coronation Street for Northern Rescuer. Oh, yes. Just to get, to get that dialect down. So and, uh, which character were you basing it on? Hilda Ogden or...? Yeah. Hilda Ogden, I bet. <laughs> yes, Northern Rescue was definitely as Hilda Ogden. Right, okay. Um, yeah. In a hairnet. She wore a hairnet, didn't she? Did she wear a hairnet? She wore a Yeah, no, curlers, I think. Curlers, yeah. So, yeah, he, the, the Northern Rescue wears curlers. Would it have been him. a hairnet over the curlers, or would it have just been I don't really a headscarf? Was it a headscarf? I don't, I don't know. I don't know much. But don't ask me about Hilda Ogden. It's before my time. There you are. Hear that? 
ambulance on its way. Yeah, so the Northern Rescuer did, did take it out of me. Also very stretching, I found, was, um, <laughs> was Gruffgar too. Uh, gruffness sounds like a fairly easy thing to play until you actually approach it. If you approach your craft seriously, yeah. as I do, you yeah. f- the, you f- the gruffness is really quite a challenge. A delightful character to inhabit, actually. I have to yes. say, I, I, I feel when I'm playing him, I really am. I, I feel I'm, I'm becoming a wonderful person just by playing him. Who's he guarding? I don't know. But like I read the script. I thought you was dead, Nanny Yorkson, sitting in the chair like that. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant to come back. Um, And it's really, really brilliant to be able to have the chance to continue with two of my favourite characters, who I absolutely love. Um, So five years... Feels like a really, really long time. But actually, getting back in the studio, it felt like yesterday. In fact, I didn't believe it was five years. Is there something wrong, Sergeant? You look a little vexed. No, I uh, getting back in well, here, hearing old David Warner in the old headphones. It's been, uh, it's been really lovely. Um, what's changed? Well, the world feels very different now, um, and it is just lovely to be back in person in the studio with these lovely people. The damp you began with a subtle, acrid hint of dead rat. Uh, Oh dear, I think I'd better... Excuse me. The stream is... <laughs> Didn't you get it on the first take? I mean... <laughs> right, um, all right, okay, pick it up. <clears throat> I'm Nigel Fares, I play Inspector Cribbage. Daylight. We must be getting somewhere. And the Duchess of Caneth. And you are... The name's Cribbage, madam. Detective... I don't believe I was addressing you. And I also wrote and produced Shilling and Sixpence Investigate. I didn't ken which one's worse. I wrote it <laughs> before COVID, I think. Oh, wow. well, I think you, well, we, we certainly, certainly read through it no. during COVID. Yes, we, only we did a Zoom read-through on COVID. Each week we did two episodes, I Yes. Think. Is that right? Yes. And you read the stage directions. I read the stage directions. <laughs> the dull roar of a car and traffic. As Barbara comes to, we hear her moan and chains rattle. They were the best bit, really. They were marvellous. They were very witty stage directions. <laughs> in fact, I was at one point thinking, well, let's not have him in to play Roald Robert. Let's have him in to read the stage directions. Well, I, I, I uh, remember suggesting to you that perhaps we just scrap all the dialogue and just have the stage directions. Yes. So, yes, uh, so this is based on a live-action stage version that we do. Uh, this is, uh, uh, well, the first series of Shilling and Sixpence, I would say, was very different to the stage version. This one is starting to get a little bit more like the stage version in places. The stage version's a lot more funny um, and light-hearted. Uh, I feel like series one of this was really dark. There's still some dark stuff in this too, in this series, but um, some of the light is starting to creep in. In the stage version, I play Sergeant Neville Niblett. Truro Police Station, can I help you? And I was yes, delighted sir. to He's see right that here. Sergeant Neville Nibbett makes uh, his appearance at the very end of this. But other than that, I didn't play any characters in this that I play in the stage version. 
other than Niblet? Yes, um, the second series of Shilling and Sixpence Investigate um, does have more humour in it. There, there, there are, are larger-than-life characters, um, just like there are in the in the Dinner Theatre original version. But, but actually, um, behind the um, comic or light um, front, there's actually. Um, a serious story there. There's there's uh, a tragedy. In fact, there's a series of tragedies or stories based on tragic figures. Here, what's that? Birthday present. The the murderer uh, who is actually the same the the, the character we met in the first series. Um, this this is her. This tells the story of why she became that, that, that sort of need for attention and, and love, basically, which um, has propelled her into this monstrosity over the years. You're in love with me! No, I'm damn it! Mikey? Mikey? There's also the, uh, the story of the of Penelope Pluck and uh, of Budgie, um, the the World War One uh, story, which is is basically a tragic one because she found love there, um, but um, it was doomed. Coming here, talking to you, it's rather like a confessional without the Hail Marys. <laughs> I feel that I could tell you. Anything. As everybody in the studio knows, I love uh, Lady Penelope Pluck, so always a joy to be her. Yes. We love Lady Lord Penelope. What's her name again? <laughs> we love Lady Penelope Pluck also. Who doesn't? Do. I think he wants to make a grand entrance down the staircase. Oh, really? Sometimes that boy is so like his father, I despair of him. These characters who have been created with such love and we've only seen a few layers of them this time. But, you know, Nigel has already sculpted hundreds more layers to each of these people. And they're, so they're already rounded. And, and I think as well, that's what we as actors bring to this, is that we know these characters. So it brings them to life in a way um, that is very fulfilling to, to, to listen to. I shall be reporting for training this afternoon at 3pm. Um, that is... I'm very proud of you, Robert. This series actually also um, explores the sadness um, of Desmond Schilling um, having lost his childhood friend um, through reacting badly to the fact that, you know, the the friend told him that uh, he was in love with him, which he couldn't cope with. What's that? Present. For me? Don't get too excited. No, I was. I loved that as a challenge. It's, it, there's so many voices and accents that one, you know, you do. And not, I mean, really, it starts with, you know, you need an emotional grounding for it. And, you know, the, the scene um, that... 
that we that is in the uh, in this season. Um, the, I can I can spoil, can't I? Now, yeah. So the, the kind of climax of Desmond's arc, if you like, in this season, and and uh, the the scene with Michael Best. I mean, really emotional. And you know, I I did actually I went back and and looked at some of David Warner's previous work from when he was much younger. I watched um, Ballad of Cable Hogue. The Peg Bar film he made, and I was just saying, you know, it's kind of the earliest films I could find of his, just to see where his voice was at at that at that time, and obviously recognizing, you know, that David's roots in in Lancashire as well, so bringing bringing that to bear as well. So, yeah, and it was fun to do, and uh, you know, it's a great, beautifully written scene as well. So, so really, you know, wonderful to play. Oh yes, they feel exactly the same as you. They do. But I have to say, I am a little surprised. <laughs> you never showed it. Well, well, it isn't easy. I mean, you know it isn't. But I always hoped. <laughs> I, I can't believe we're actually talking about it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's just, you know, it's such a, a blessed relief. When will you tell her? Sorry. Oh. Good heavens. What was that terrible, shrieking, piercing cry? I'm no expert, but it sounded like Betty Swallocks choking on her own vomit, having inadvisably... <laughs> stage versions are definitely more farcical um, and probably a little bit more close to, the, um, <laughs> close to the mark, but probably a little bit ruder, to be honest with you, but loads and loads and loads of fun. Um, so this is this is different. I can't believe Betty's dead. I know. She's one of our regular characters. None of us are With regards to the characters, Peggy Pin is actually based on um, a character that I've played a number of times in the live shows. I can't remember. Is it Hattie Pin? Pin. No, it's not Hattie Pin. Is it? It No, it's um, so many of them. is it Titty and Titty, titty Turnip? Let's get the titty, family tree out. Titty Turnip. <laughs> no, it was Titty Turnip. Titty Turnip. Yeah, Correct. that's right. Titty Turnip. I think we'll take the back passage. <laughs> I think our relationship that we've built up as as performers together as yes. well. Do you know that ensemble um, atmosphere that we've 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 built up and the fact that we've all worked together for such a long time? I think that does come across. Mm. As well, and I think that that might be one of the things that people have quite enjoyed, is the way that we do actually bounce off each other, and that's certainly for me one of the most enjoyable bits about it is working with all you lot, yeah, as well as Celia and David. Lovely well, working all with right. all of us, Celia and David. Yes, <laughs> okay. it was great to see you all again, and I look forward to seeing yeah, you all again in season three. That's the ah. other thing as well. That's the other thing as well, though, because you think about it, we were all in lockdown. We were we were sort of communicating via Zoom, and and we were actually to keep ourselves sane doing a podcast of the Pogglywood Murders, mm. which is basically the closest you're going to get to the stage show. And it was our way of just continuing to work and keep together and keep these stories going and just stop ourselves from going insane in lockdown. Oh, Mama, I'd rather die. If we go to Cornwall, you probably will. And remember, you'll find this at bigfinish.com by typing shilling and sixpence into the search pane at the top. You might also like to visit the Big Finish Originals range and savour all sorts of delights. Oh, lovely. 
Yeah, get involved. Uh, anyway, very soon now we'll be giving you a free 15-minute drama tease of the Seventh Doctor adventure, London Orbital, featuring Harry Sullivan uh, with his fellow unit friend, Naomi Cross. Uh, but first... It's the Randomoid Selectatron giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Okay, what have we got, Benji? 241 Doctor Who uh, Red Planets. Oh, Red Planets. That is the work of um, uh, Una McCormack, isn't it? Yeah, there we are. It is, yeah. And you've got a, a double a whammy there with Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor, but also Bonnie Langford and Sophie Aldred. Yes, uh, I just want to check that I've got Ace. my um, producer credit on here. Mm. I reckon this yes. is a Jamie Anderson jobby because he's he, got Chris Dale and Genevieve Gaunt in it. Yes, it is. It's the first yeah. time he employed Genevieve Gaunt, this is. Really? Yes. Legend. Absolutely. What, what a great... What a great choice as well. Yeah, so that was the beginning of a long, uh, you know, exciting working relationship that continues to this day. And yes, I produced these um, and Jamie Anderson directed them. Lovely cover by Simon Hollab. Let's hear the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The person you've called is unavailable. Please leave a message after the tone. It's me. Call me as soon as you get this. It's here. The blue box. He's here. At last. Doctor Who. Red Planets. Sounds like a party. <laughs> Not much to celebrate in 2017. <laughs> oh, come off it, Doctor. Nothing to celebrate. Melting ice caps, seas of plastic, species after species disappearing into nothing. What went wrong? Nothing went wrong. This is the future we dreamed of. I seriously doubt that. Hands on your head. You're coming with me. I was certainly am not. Get off me! Get in the car! Hey! Not Let him go! Chance. Let him go! Let him go! Come back! Wait! I told you to wait for me! Dorothy! There's more at stake than you realise. The whole future of the West. I have to get over the wall tonight. So, if we get things back on track, then everything's okay? Yes. And if we don't, millions die in unnecessary war. Millions more live in awful repression. And you, Ace, maybe even me, cease to exist. Oh. Yes. Oh. I'm bleeding like... There's no time! I've got to stay awake. I've got to... Hold on, mate. Hold on. Big finish. We love stories. Lovely working with Sylvester on these. Really good stuff. Great fun. So, there we have it. You get 25% off. Um... While I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish, who makes all these things happen, so make sure she knows which release to attach the offer to. Benji, please explain how you get the 25% discount in the style of Harry Sullivan. 
Oh, very nice, yes. Well, come on. I mean, I mean, you just sort of talk like a gentleman, don't you, really? You say, come on then, Sarah. All right, sit down yes, there, good boy. Is he gonna <laughs> yes, good boy. Good boy. Good boy. I've never said that before. Um, yes, well, all you have to do is watch your step there. There's a mine. Um, just go to bigfinish.com, old girl, and uh, head to the podcast page. Uh, when you're there, well, careful. I just, I just imagine him walking around a lot, you see, you know, walking over that quarry. This is defining um, uh, quality, is it? It is, well, you know, walking, walking around. That, walking around in that quarry wearing his lovely blue jacket. Um, just go to bigfinish.com uh, podcast, head down towards the uh, uh, the uh, picture of us on the podcast, and it'll say in the blurb there, click here and enter the code. Oh, girl, no, enter the code. <laughs> enter that code in, and you will. Whoop. Yeah, that was him tripping over. You will get your 25% discount. I do. I think. I think it's just because it's such a defining memory of of my childhood. Is is that opening episode of Genesis of the Daleks? Oh where, yes, know, Harry. I've just I've just stood on a landmine. Yes. Um, and of course, yeah, it's great. He was great in um, Santaran experiment as well. Oh, brilliant! Yes, and knock his bally yeah, he hurts head off. Himself, yes. doesn't he? Yeah. Well, great cheers, stuff. Ran. Uh, next week's podcast is entitled Unit Cops. And features Unit Nemesis 3, Objective Earth, and the return of that BBC classic slice of 80s sci-fi, Star Cops. That sounds like fun a plenty to be had. Hey. Thanks again, all of you, for listening. The Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Hello. Nick Briggs. Goodbye. He also wrote, produced, and edited it. I'm afraid so, that's true. And both Benji and I did this for the love of stories. So now let's join the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, as he encounters Harry Sullivan and Naomi Cross in London Orbital by John Dorney, the first adventure in this week's release, Sullivan and Cross, A Wall. Interesting resume, Dr. Sullivan. Thank you, Dr. May. Tired of the naval life? Not entirely. Just felt I could do a bit of good on dry land. I was stuck at sea when there was that big plague a year or so back. It was frustrating not being able to lend a hand. Well, our lot had precious little to do with that. Really? The cure seemed to come out of nowhere. It was sorted by a chap from some unit called... Actually, I think it was just called Unit. Unit? Never heard of them. I think they're specialist. All a bit cloak and dagger for my tastes. Still, I'm sure we could find some less dramatic use for your talents here. So I've got the job? We'll let you know. Help! Please! Somebody help me! You! Dear Lord, what on earth's happened to him? To both of you? He'll live, I hope. Your ears? What's wrong with your... Are you a doctor? Uh, yes. Although this isn't technically my hospital, uh, not yet. I, I, I was just... Then you need to save the others. Others? We were attacked. There was a massacre. What? Where? 17 Foxworth Drive. Do you know it? 
I'm afraid I'm only just off the boat. Some may still live. Take as many medics as you can. I'll see what I can do, though I don't really have the authority here. Excuse me. Hello? Can I help you? We need to get a team of doctors together. Send them to a place called Foxworth Drive. There's apparently been some sort of disaster. And who are you? Well, never mind who I am. There are lives at stake. Well, same here. Can't just dispatch doctors on the command of some random bloke. Forget me. What about them? Does that young couple look healthy to you? What young couple? Which do you think? The, the ones covered in blood, right? The... Where the blazes did they go? I was just about to ask the same thing. Ah! Don't come back! Call security! Where did they go? Was it you? You're the one who attacked them? You've got the same ears. Tell me if you want to live. As it happens, I haven't a clue where they are. But funnily enough, I wouldn't tell a sword-wielding maniac even if I did. That'll be security. You think you can take them all on? Easily. Than I could possibly do without the attention. Few of your kind would be brave enough to face me. That feels deserving of reward. Very well. I grant you your life. Be grateful you're not my prey. They have not escaped me yet. Got away with that. What did she say? 17 Foxworth? I suppose I'll just have to go by myself. This train is not stopping at this station. This train is not stopping at this station. But it's perfectly simple. I know. I know. It's a wall. You knock down a wall. I get what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, it's not as if it's load-bearing or anything. Are you coming? I just don't like it down there. You're not being paid to like it, Harper. Get down here. Don't like it, I ask you. Underrail's been delayed long enough as it is. If we hold it up another 30 years because you're scared to break out the bottom of a stairwell... Crikey. One thing after another. If they'd known back in the 80s how long this would take, they'd never have started. What is that? You feel it too. They always said the station was haunted. Haunted? Don't be soft. It's true. By who? The tube ain't been around long enough. People still die. They go under trains. If they went under a train, why would they haunt the bottom of a stairwell? They'd be on the platform, wouldn't they? Stands to reason. Use your loaf. But you feel something too, don't you? <sighs> nah. It's just a draft or something. What? Down here? Wind gets everywhere. See? You can't get close either. I'm fine. Where's that sledgehammer? Let's get this started. Over there. Didn't want to lug it all the way back upstairs. Of course. Righty up. What's happening? See? You can't do it either. Of course I can do it. Been doing it all my life. You okay? No. 
It's in my head, it... The fear. Mm. You're feeling it. I was right. Uh, make it stop. You see, get, let it go. No. I can do this. I can. I... Stop it. Stop it now. What in... The wall? Where'd the wall go? Forget the wall. There's not supposed to be more stairs back there. Disused bit of station? Bricked off sometime? Then it'd be on the plans somewhere. And it's not on the plans. What's that? I think it's tiles. From the wall. You seen a pattern like that before? No. Pretty, innit? Is there someone down there? Hello? Anybody there? <laughs> Few more for the pile. What we got here? Uh, I mean, this one could be interesting. Oh? Chap in Bromley claims to have spotted a demon in a tree. Uh, see attached photo. Ah. Not a demon. <laughs> Sadly not. I think it's a cat. One of those hairless ones. A sphinx? No, domestic. Aren't sphinxes mythical? It's a breed, Harry. A hairless cat. The most common one's called a sphinx. Uh, of course. Understood. <laughs> Still, I suppose it could be the Egyptian sort. They had wings, didn't they? It has to have got into that tree somehow. Maybe we should investigate. Getting bored, are we? <sighs> Perhaps a shade. That's a bit quick. I'd have thought you'd have enjoyed the rest. After everything that's happened lately. Oh, I'm happy to be done with all that life and death malarkey, of course. But it did mean we were living at quite a pace. It's tricky slowing down so sharply. Yeah, I know. Like, when we stopped travelling with the Doctor, remember? That's why we signed up with Unit again. Couldn't get back to normal life. Huh. I thought the main reason we couldn't get back to normal life was because the Doctor had dropped us off over 30 years too late. <laughs> Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Worked out, though, didn't it? We saved the world. Again. And now we're on the crank file, looking for any possible needles in any possible haystacks. <laughs> a bit of light relief, though, isn't it? Some of them are pretty funny. There was a guy I found once who was convinced his wife had been sucked into a time vortex, but it was pretty clear she'd just run off with the estate agent. <laughs> what you got there? Good one? Uh, monsters in the London Underground. Crikey. Now he's over 30 years too late. How long do they keep these files open? No, it's not that. This seems to be yesterday. Yesterday? Yes. Clerkenwell Tube Station. Right. And the Yeti again? What are they, these monsters? Big and furry? No, more sort of human-sized, but with twisted faces and... You've got that something's up face. <sighs> Great. What is it? I'm not sure. Can't be certain. Not yet. But I think we might need to investigate this. Okay. Well, I trust you. I'm in. I'll call Kate. No, no, but best not worry the top brass. Not at this stage. Could still be nothing. Let's just call a cab. Okay.
Well? I have done my best to check the reports, Your Highness, and it would seem they are true. They have been found in a place called Clark and Well. Then we know what we have to do. Am I being nuts? Surely the quickest way to get to a distant tube station is to, you know, take the tube? Uh, Not at the moment. Trains aren't stopping at Clerkenwell. They're refurbishing it as part of developing underrail. Blimey. Is that not finished? Didn't they start it back in our day? (laughs) They may very well have done. I was a little caught up with other things at the time. (laughs) Won't we all? One of which is why I'm suggesting we look into this. Ghosts from your past? Great. Why do people say that anyway? You don't tend to get ghosts from the future. (laughs) You'd be surprised. But in this case, the past is right. There was an incident, you see. It's uh, it's rather what led me to unit. What sort of incident? A massacre. At 17 Foxworth Drive. See? I can still remember the address, even after all these years. An entire house full of people were wiped out near enough. That'd stick in the mind. I was in London considering a career shift, you see, and I encountered this couple at a hospital, all injured and covered in blood. They seemed to have got away from the attack, but this tall, dark-haired chap with a sword was following them. They disappeared, and then so did he. I went round to the house they'd mentioned and found it chock-full of bodies. This fellow had done for a dozen people or more. Blimey. Sounds pretty grotesque. You have no idea. And the oddest thing... All the victims, the killer himself, they all had pointy ears. You know, tapered. What? Like Mr. Spock? I suppose. I reported the whole thing, of course I did. Went back there with the police as soon as I was able. But it was gone. The whole house was gone. What? Someone had knocked it down? No, no, that I'd have understood. It it had gone. (laughs) Vanished. There was just this big empty space that was number 17 Foxworth Drive. Or rather it wasn't, technically. The numbers had all shifted along the street so there was no sign of anything being missing at all. That's impossible. I know. The police laughed at me as you'd expect, accused me of making it up, but I knew what I'd seen. I knew the numbers had changed and I wasn't giving in. I spoke to everyone I could and eventually I was put in touch with a chap at unit. I suppose we do rather specialise in impossibilities. They promised me they'd investigate, but uh, they liked the cut of my jib. The brigadier was rather in need of a doctor. Well, a a, a medic. You know what I mean. So I ended up with the career shift I wanted, just in an unexpected way. One thing led to another, zip forwards a few decades, and uh, here I am. Here you are. So, what happened with the missing house and the pointy-eared mob? Did unit sort it? Never found out. Not really my department. I was assured someone would let me know if anything turned up. But nothing ever did. As far as I can tell. I mean, obviously something might have happened in the interim, since the doctor picked us up and dropped us off. A lot can happen in a few decades. Tell me about it. I still can't get the hang of smart TV. And you think this thing at Clerkenwell might be connected? It's a possibility. Why? Because these monsters the construction workers claim to have seen under the station, they said they had pointy ears. Pointy ears? That's it? For now. But you said it was people in this house. The one with the massacre. Like, ordinary people? Yes. 
They seem to be pretty much the same as you or I, apart from the... well, you know. The construction guys said they found monsters. Uh, twisted faces, wasn't it? I appreciate the pieces don't entirely fit together, not just yet. But that doesn't mean they're not part of the same puzzle. <sighs> Still feels like a bit of a reach. I know. But I never got an answer all those years ago. I never found out what happened for sure. And you want to know how the story ends? I get that. Plus, I get why you don't want Unit going in all guns blazing. It's still early days. Maybe it's connected, maybe it's not. I'd like to be a bit more certain before I bring it to Kate. Yeah, but more than that, you know how it is. They could just be making it up. They're just making it up. Yeah, we did think that was a possibility. Are you sure? Well, it's obvious. Walls don't just vanish, do they? You knock them down, that's what we're paid for. The police report did seem unusually detailed. They were confused. Took a wrong turning or something and got themselves lost. You lot, the public, you don't know what these stations are like. They're like mazes. Go against the signs long enough, you find yourself in Narnia. That's pretty much what they said happened, your workers. Albeit a lot more scary and a lot less Turkish delight. But they're not the public. Surely they'd be familiar with this place. They were probably drunk or something, trying to get out of trouble. By claiming they encountered monsters? Given the amount of attention that's drawn, it would seem to be a little counterproductive. <sighs> All right. You want to see for yourself? I'm not sure that's necessary. If you wouldn't mind. Follow me. Harry. Well, seeing as we've come all this way... Two miles? That's a long drive in central London. 